anybody give any amount of thought to what the best thing that they saw this year was? Just like uh, one thing that comes to comes to mind. Bad boys for life. Really? You're not gonna put Jojo Rabbit in there. That was a 2019 movie. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Best thing that you saw this year that came out. I, this year. I didn't see it till this year, though. That's why we decided to talk about it. No. Uh, I don't know. I think I think Antonio just had sex with some girl watching that movie and was like, "Let's do that one." <laughs> it's the best one. It's the best one. Hamilton was the worst thing I watched this year. You know what? That's the best thing I watched this year. <laughs> you guys should send me your top ten so I can tweet it out on the on the Twitter machine. Ten is so many. Yeah. Okay, do top five. Five is fine. They I have mean, to movies... have been released in twenty twenty. Yeah. You can do shows as well. I was gonna say I was counting shows in in my thing, but so oh, then, well, then Cobra Kai. Queen's Gambit's going to be right on up there. Shut up about Cobra Kai. Have y'all seen The Crown? I've been meaning to. It's No, it's not boring. It's really good. I was just going to start with... uh, Don't start uh, with season four. Season three. No. I don't like Claire Foy. It's still a good season, though. She's meh to me. Where does the Princess Diana come in? Four. 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 Okay, I'll just start there then. Because I watched (laughs) season one and it it was boring as fuck. Season one can be slow moving, yes, but it lays a lot of the base for what the problems that Elizabeth has as a like as a person. Character development gross. Yeah. How dare they? I hate it. No. I don't want to. Nobody gets that except Ryan. Um <laughs> what's um what's what's everybody been what's everybody been watching this week? Jennifer? I feel like I've watched a lot of things. So I don't know. I know I'm pretty much caught up on all the Die Hard movies now. Except for the fifth one. Yeah, we're not going to watch um, the fifth one. Okay, that's fine. Did you like the third one? Is that the really bad one? <laughs> no, that was the fourth one. What? The one with Justin Long? Yes. I liked that one. Oh, so I guess you didn't like the Samuel L. one? Uh, it was fine. It was... I'm trying to remember. We watched like... Literally three days in a row, I feel like just die hard. Uh, didn't 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 you say the third one was like it was directed by like what did you say like J.J. Abrams or Michael Bay or something? Oh, Michael like Bay. Oh yeah. wait, yeah, no, that's the one with the where the car looks like it's like being pulled by that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the such car. bad CGI or not even CGI. I don't know what it is. And there was just like immediate explosions for no reason. Yeah, good stuff. That was that was. A, a thing. Um, I feel like I just watched a lot of old stuff. I can't remember what else we watched. The Iron Iron Man's. Oh Iron, yeah, Iron Man two. Watched yeah. Iron Man two and three, and Captain Marvel, and the first Thor. Oh, I didn't put Iron Man. So, yeah, I watched all that. Damn. So I only have two movies left on my full Marvel cinematic. Did you watch them thing. in chronological order, or did you just watch them based on their? It's tricky <laughs> because some of them I saw when they were like first out. Mm-hmm. So I'd already seen them. And then some I just chose to skip. Like for good reason. The second Captain America. Is that Winter Soldier though? Yes, that's right? Winter Soldier. Okay, well, I didn't watch it because originally I watched the first Captain America and I was like, holy shit, that was bad. I don't want to watch this again. 
Winter Soldier? Isn't that everyone's favorite? No, I liked Winter Soldier. Yeah, I just I, one. I didn't watch it for the it's longest time because of the first Captain America. Mm. It's so bad. Got it. So, yeah. I just yeah. have to sit down and watch Thor 2 and Doctor Strange. And that's it. I'll be caught up. I think I like, yeah, I like Doctor Strange. That was good. Mm-hmm. It's a little, a little slow moving, but it's good. So does it get good after the first 20 minutes? Because that's as far as I made it. Yeah, I mean, that that's like the backstory. Okay. It's like Batman Begins. Well, we have people on here who think Batman well, Begins just sucks all the way through. So. Batman Begins was slow the whole way, though. Yeah, it was. I watched Rebecca with Army Hammer and Lily James. I heard it sucked. We don't need to talk about it. As a matter of fact, I don't want to talk about it. I just wanted to let Jen know that it had Army Hammer in it. You're going to make me watch the shitty movie. <laughs> you don't have to watch it with me. Okay. I'm pretty sure there are sex scenes with him, so you you might want to get on that. Pretty sure you watched the movie this I, week. I know, but I, I don't have that kind of memory. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, guys. I know, there are, I know there is like hints of it, but I don't remember if they actually happened. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was disappointing. But I mean, it's pretty. I'll still watch it. Yeah, you should. Brandon, did you watch anything this week? Uh, this week I just watched uh, Den of Thieves on the recommendation of Ryan. Uh, and it was fantastic. Yes, it was. Uh, shouts to shouts to O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, that ending, though. What an ending! <laughs> Good accent. Good accent. I was like, "Are we in Australia?" Or <laughs> I don't understand what happened. <laughs> oh, we're in London. You sound like you're from London. I loved it. That was uh, definitely the highlight of my my movie watching i also did a bunch of 007 actually now that i mention it or now that i think about it den of thieves led me down golden eye uh tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough uh just back to back to back like all saturday it was just action movies hmm. it was fucking great i i i'm very critical of pierce brosnan's 007 but uh going back and watching it now i was like you know what pierce brosnan's 007 not that bad it's not Daniel Craig, but it's not that bad. Is his character not that bad, or are the movies not that bad? What are you saying here? I think it's the it's the movies that are not that bad. Uh, they they get a little campy. Um, I I wanted to watch. Um, I can't. It's, I think it's uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, where they get that that joke in about Christmas coming early. Uh huh. <laughs> but other, I mean, other than that, you know, the the action is great. Daniel Craig's is definitely more serious. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's definitely more is more playful Bond, and I, I understand why they had to go super serious with Daniel Craig after uh, Austin Powers was so successful and kind of made a mockery of the British spy. But uh, no, Pierce Brosnan is is a pretty good 007. Interesting. I read an article one time where it was like the style of Bond runs parallel, kind of with like Batman now. Like Connery was the greatest and a lot of people feel like Keaton is. And then it switched to Val Kilmer. And I think that was like Timothy Dalton. Was that the second bond? I don't remember who anyhow, but like, and then it was Pierce Brosnan. The playful bond was like George Clooney, the playful Batman that wasn't really taken seriously. And then the best quote unquote, like the best Batman Christian Bale. And then 
Daniel Craig. Kind of like, you know, the parallels of those. That's kind of, that's an interesting theory, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it probably operates on a pendulum, right? I mean, that's that's the way that these things typically seem to go. I, I, I feel like they went campy. Um, <laughs> Antonio, what'd you watch this week? I watched uh, Peppermint, which is the Jennifer Garner movie from 2018 or 17. Uh, basically, traditional middle America mom, her family gets killed by some drug cartels. She disappears for five years. In those five years, she learns to be a badass. Five years later, she returns on the date of the murders of her daughter and her husband and wages war on the cartel and hunts down each individual that's responsible for her family's death. I think it was poorly received in theaters because I remember when it came out. Is this female Batman? (laughs) You said Jennifer Garner? Yeah. I've seen Peppermint being brought up on the internet a lot lately. I don't know if there's something like there's a resurgence of it. it yeah, it just got added to Netflix this month. Oh, um, and the ending leads you to believe that there's a peppermint two or it opens the door for a peppermint two. But it was so it was it wasn't well received when it came out because I remember being intrigued by the trailer when it came out because it was kind of right up my alley. And then by the time I went to Draft House to watch it, it had been pulled. So oh. Antonio, have you ever seen The Equalizer? Yes. How do so? Do you like these types of so? Do you like these kind? Of, and John Wick, I think, kind of falls into the same thing, kind of same category, right? Like, seemingly unassuming person has all of this specialized training and wages war against shadowy you, enterprise. To have you heard of this movie called The Accountant? <laughs> the Accountant's on my list, actually. <laughs> Do you guys like those types of movies? I love those types of movies. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen any of the John Wicks. Uh, once I found out that there was a John Wick four, I figured John I would just Wick wait. Two are so good. I figured I would just wait till four came out, and I would just do like a week long binge of the three leading into four. So, um, and then last night when I was at Draft House, I watched Monster Hunter uh, with uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce her last name. Is it Mila Hovovich or Jovovich? I thought it was Jovovich. I thought so too, but that okay. could be wrong. Does she have tattoos in real life? Oh, no. So we all know how I feel about tattoos in general. On, on, Do on we all anatomy. You're You're pro-tat? I'm pro-tat, yeah. Uh, and like any female with, with a tat will get an instant second glance. I'm anti-neck tattoos though. But in this movie, Mila Jovovich has two neck tattoos that I'm kind of about. It's nothing like crazy. I think they're like two different dates on there, but it works. Like it added to her hotness. Um, if you're a fan of minorities succeeding in movies, probably not the movie for you. <laughs> I watched it because I saw my guy Diego Bonetta was in it. Probably could have walked out of the movie theater pretty early on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but Antonio, favorite and least favorite place to see a tattoo on a girl? Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess the uh, I guess the thigh tattoo, right? So there was this bartender at third base that had I can't remember if it was like a dragon or a tiger. I don't actually remember if she was attractive or not, but because she had that tattoo on her thigh, I thought she was. And I feel like I tipped her better than I tipped the other bartenders there. The thigh as in and the then, front or the side or the, back? the side. 
Is she did the did sign. she have those little bows on the back of her legs? Oh the new tramp stamp? Oh, I, I don't recall. I don't think she did. I don't think that was a thing back in the day. No. Not yet. I know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> um, and uh, neck, I mean, neck tattoos, I guess. That, that's, yeah. Neck and side thigh. Boy. I just had to know. Um, <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, if, if the ladies out there need a rating on their, a four point rating on their tattoos, you know, just. At the fun table pod one. Oh, fuck me, Antonio. I have those notifications on. Submit oh. those tattoo photos and I, and, I, and I will gladly rate them on the four point scale. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Ryan. When Brandon talked about, sent out the message that he was watching Den of Thieves, it made me want to rewatch Heat. So I rewatched Heat and it still holds up. It's awesome. God, does Pacino go for it so much more than I remember. He really, really does. It's it's so much fun to just watch him. I don't know if that's cooking, but that's definitely like hibachi style. Like he's just going for it. Um, You're not wrong. You're not he's not wrong. making any food. He's just like standing in front of a giant open flame, hanging on the hanging on the yeah. cooktop, just, just tossing the water. <laughs> A volcano! Ah! <laughs> I think I just saw Heat for the first time like last year or the year before uh, at work on a holiday, and I was like, "Man, this is this is it. This is this is what every movie should be." Exactly. I don't know why Val Kilmer's in this movie, but oh, I like on. him. I like Ashley Judd. It's just it's a it's one of those like all star cast kind of. You don't like you're not an Ashley Judd fan. I just don't know don't if like, we can include Ashley Judd in an all star cast. <laughs> I mean, she's been nominated for a Golden Globe. That's true. That's true. <laughs> More than um, I can say for myself. So then I watched Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. That's right. And let me tell you, 15, 30 minutes in, I was like, when the fuck is Tom Hanks coming out? Because I thought he was in this movie, and I would realize that was Bridge of Spies, not this movie. <laughs> I literally, I, I wish I wouldn't have been muted, because I, as soon as you said you watched that, I said, uh-oh, and thinking that Tom Hanks was awesome in that fucking movie. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember Tom Hardy being in a Tom Hanks movie. And I was like, okay, obviously a wrong movie. Very slow-moving very good movie overall, though. I I enjoyed it. And I have no idea why Gary Oldman was nominated for Best Actor for an Oscar for that. What? I'm sorry. I would rather see his performance in, like, the fucking Fifth Element be celebrated over his performance in this movie. Benedict Cumberbatch, I don't know what you are, my man. I really don't. I don't know what to fucking make of him. He is, he is con. <laughs> And then I ended the week with an underrated Nicolas Cage classic. Got young Joaquin Phoenix in there. Pre, Pre-Gladiator, 8mm. Great Gandolfini performance. Great Russian astronaut from Armageddon. It's a really hard watch if you're squeamish. But do you want to see what everyone always talks about, like why Nicolas Cage is who he is? Just watch the first hour of 8mm. But yeah, that's it. Can't believe you just disrespected Peter Stormare like that. Um, interesting. Um, realistically, the meat of what I watched this week, I had a little, um, you know, I've talked a lot about on this podcast about my guys. 
you know, I I have I have acting guys, I have directing guys. Um, there's lots of there's lots of my guys, but I, it's still a it's still a fairly prestigious prestigious honor. Um, I watched a I watched a little double my guy double header this week. I watched two two Jake Gyllenhaal movies that also happened to be directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, so I watched Enemy, which incredible Jake Gilly's performance. One of the one of the classic uh, movies in which a guy plays two people that look exactly alike. Van Damme did that in Double Impact. Exactly, exactly. So we're not you know, going slightly... to mention Wild Wild West. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal here a little bit, a little bit better. Oh. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> And then I watched Prisoners again. Um, technically, I've already I've already seen these movies, but um, wanted to wanted to get into the vibe for this week's episode. Prisoners is 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 fantastic. Um, very very gritty, very real. As far as the Jake Gyllenhaal performance, it's like um, this and Zodiac go really well together. I feel like I watched those two movies because um, because we're here. This is. This is the season finale of this uh, of this season of the Fun Table, and you know we I think we've alluded to to watching the movie that that we're going to talk about this week a couple of different times. It's it's a pantheon level movie for some of the people here, um, and mostly we're we're doing it because we we made a promise to my boy Antonio a long time ago that we that we'd watch his his favorite his favorite movie. Ever of all time, <laughs> can't wait until you actually say that you hate this movie. Um, so this week, this week we watched Sicario. Antonio, tell me why you love this movie. So I watched Last Jedi this week, thinking that's the movie we're supposed to do. Can you imagine what our conversation would be like <laughs> if we watched The Last Jedi? Oh, it'd be so entertaining. Uh, plot twist: I hate Sicario. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. It caught me, when it came out. It caught me like at a. It came out in 2015, right? I can't remember if this if I watched this before I watched Narcos on Netflix, or if I watched this and then watched Narcos. But it was around the time that I wa- was doing a lot of studying of America's war on drugs, so it became very well educated on what was going down south of the border with cartel violence and what the U.S. government was doing to combat that and how to stop 20 million people from snorting and smoking stuff that was making its way across our borders. So Can't do it. Um, yeah, can't do it. So order is the best we can hope for. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just felt very real. Like, obviously, there were certain aspects of it that, like, yeah, they were dramatized for, for Hollywood. But I feel like 75% of this movie you could believe that yes that's that actually does happen and this is how the government operates you know when they don't have jurisdiction that's why i like it for the rest of you guys i guess you know the the age-old question what's the first thing that you think of when i say sicario i didn't have an opinion one way or the other i don't think anything about sicario Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Well, I've heard of her because we only talk about it every episode. But never seen her. 
<laughs> Jennifer, what about what about you? Same. I also never pronounced it correctly. <laughs> How did you pronounce it? Just don't worry about it. Not important. We have like, we have to did know. You put too many Sik- syllables in it. Like I don't know. I don't. Even, I think Sikura, I, like, right? Sikura, Sikura, I don't know. And then I had no idea what it was about. Like I've heard it. No one's ever said anything about what actually happens. Like it's always just the title. And I'm going to be honest, I really did think it was like a soccer movie or some kind of sports or maybe like a war. I don't know. I was not invested in finding out. But here we are. It's about all those things, isn't it? I mean, I guess I wasn't that far off. Yeah. How did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, what about you? Uh, When I think of Sicario, I think of honestly top three movies made this century and i would say and it's definitely in my top five favorite movies of all time i just think it's so good on so many different levels i i actually think it's a genius work of filmmaking it's going to be one of those nights nick you best be ready oh uh, listen <laughs> if if it wasn't going to be you ryan if it wasn't going to be you um yeah this is just a great fucking movie this movie this movie fucking bangs like nonstop. everything about this movie is Everything about this movie is incredible. Like, I don't. I look forward to the bangs is a strong word. Yeah, there we go. There he is. (sighs) This movie, it's it's well crafted, uh, it's well acted, and yet I left the movie thinking, "Damn, I didn't care about anybody or anything that happened in that movie." It was a chore to watch. For me, it was one of those movies where I don't need to see how the sausage gets made. Like, it's cool that they're chasing down, you know, drug cartel bosses. But like Zero Dark Thirty, like, I didn't need, like, to see how the sausage gets made in terms of, like, what it takes to bring down a terrorist or what it takes to bring down uh, a drug cartel. Wasn't that interested. But it's it's a, you know, everybody in it was great. I wish uh, Jeffrey Donovan had more time in it. Um, cause he already plays my favorite, uh, spy, uh, Michael Weston in burn notice. Oh and so God. I was going into this like, Oh yeah, this is going to be Michael Weston's adventures in, in spying. And he has like a little bit of time in it. So, uh, more Jeffrey Donovan, less Benicio del Toro. And this movie would have been better. Do I have a recommendation for you? I almost said, I'm going to go ahead and log off because Brandon's got this for me. And then you said n- less Benicio Del Toro. So I got to stay now. <laughs> I'm back in. His problem, the problem I have with him is that he looks bored from scene to scene. And that was his face though. No, that's his fa- Exactly. And that's the problem. We're talking about this movie that's a banger. And your main character looks like he's fucking bored the whole time. I don't, is he the main character? I don't remember. Not in this movie. Do you uh, like Kristen Stewart? Is he not a main character? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait. We don't consider him to be a main character? Oh, I thought I thought you said the main character. We're, uh, I was oh, picking no, no. this here. Yeah, I heard the yeah, main yeah, Amanda has the main character. I don't recall what your opinion was last week. Do you like Kristen Stewart? No. Okay. Ah, got him. Okay. Wanted to make sure. Um, Brandon, Brandon, quick, quickly, I guess. Um, had you had you seen this movie before you watched it? For yes, for I have seen this movie, and I 
remember thinking it was pretty good. I'm picking nits here. Benicio Del Toro, for instance, again, looks fucking bored from scene to scene. He never changes his fucking facial expression. We're shooting dudes in the fucking head and, you know, killing families. And he's like, oh, but isn't that because he's right. jaded from his like his experience? Yeah, like, but nothing's I mean, gonna you, phase him at this let's point. say that you go through that same experience. You're not even going to allow yourself a little bit moment of peace, maybe even a smile as you took revenge for your family. Yeah. Are you just going to be like, oh, I got to go on to the next thing. Got to go threaten this fucking FBI door kicker. <laughs> she does kick them doors. Um, right. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's get into the movie, I guess the, the movie part of you. Um, I, I've divided this up into thirds. So, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's just jump in at the beginning. Cause that, that's how these things usually work. Um, Right. So the first third of the movie, you know, you get just as a, as a brief synopsis, you know, you, you get introduced to FBI agent Kate, Kate Macer. Shots to Emily Blunt. You get the you get the opening scene of her investigating a house in an, a Phoenix suburb. Um, you know, sh- shenanigans happen. Lots of lots of bodies, lots of um, lots of action, I guess. Um, and, and she sort of, you know, gets gets brought into this world um you know I, I think in the in the first third of the movie you're kind of the the viewer you know you don't really know what's necessarily going on you just you just see that she's assigned to a task force with with other people some interdisciplinary task force and uh they basically their their first thing that they have to do is they have to cross into mexico into juarez and pick up a prisoner and escort him back over the border into the United States. So, you know, this is this is where you get your introduction to the main I, I would say the main character, which is Emily Blunt's Kate Mercer, Macer. Um, you get your introduction to Benicio in a sort of I, I guess an introduction. You get you get Kate's introduction to Benicio. He's this sort of shadowy figure. And you get your introduction to Josh Brolin's character, Matt, who is kind of this um, braggadocious, sandal, flip-flop wearing, uh, cargo pant CIA question mark guy. How did how did how did you feel about I guess the way that the the table set up here for this movie? I want to look at it a little bit differently. Um, I don't necessarily say that. Yes, they are quote unquote in any movie they'd be like the main character, but I just kind of think that there's there's three or four different points of view in the movie. Like in the first act, which is the first start of the movie, we see everything through Kate's eyes. It opens up with Kate. Kate's the one that goes into that house, leads the team. Kate's the one that gets brought into that office to form an interagency task force. So we see everything through her eyes. We see our first impressions of Matt with, her, with his flip-flops. We see his fir- the first impressions of Alejandro all through her eyes. And then the movie, as it goes on, it kind of changes different people's like we see characters from the viewpoints of other characters, which I think is a little bit unique in this particular movie. The first opening scene is one of those that just gets you, reels you in and you're locked in. And then the first act ends with probably one of my favorite scenes ever. Most tension filled scene that I can remember. Yes. I'm sorry. What in that scene what was, was it? what? It's I was, yeah. When they're crossing the border. When they're coming back, 
with Guillermo, the tension, you feel it in the score. You're, you're wondering, see, cause you're viewing everything through Kate's eyes at that point. You're wondering like, why are we in Mexico? What we have no jurisdiction here. Here we are. We are in a sense, we're on our fucking own. And there's cartel people possibly everywhere. And you're trying to get through. You have the dog barking. You have the score, like mm, the drums, everything. You're just, I, I don't know. The first time I saw it, I didn't breathe for fucking five minutes just because I was so locked in. And then your boy, Jeffrey Donovan, doing his little head shake and then pops, pops my people. Yeah, that, that scene gave me a lot of anxiety, but like in a good way, I guess. Having it from from Emily Blunt's point of view made it chaotic, which was great. But it's a relatable scene. Right. As someone that has like crossed that border before. And oh, you're yeah. sitting there for 45 minutes to an hour and a half waiting to cross. Like there's nowhere to go. If shit hits the fan, like. While you are transporting a high value target. Yeah. They don't let avocados back this way. Yeah. Right, like I guess the whole. I got in trouble when you're snitching on my dad that he was bringing out bringing in corn so <laughs> saying that the saying that the scene was i guess chaotic and and confusing for emily blunt's character like but why she has all of this training like i i, I guess for me for me like i i no I, I see what you're saying but her character remember she's a by the book character she is like our her character is supposed to be the she is the good versus the evil. We do everything by the book. She also we follow the law on what was going on. I don't think. I think part of it is, is that in in a lot of movies that, um, honestly, I, and and in movies that are, you know, we we had the conversation about um, movies like The Equalizer and John Wick and and all these other movies. Those movies exist in in a world in which people kind of do things like this, but more in the sense that they just don't really care about like there's no law in those movies. I mean, there is in the sense that like the law is the bad guy, but because they didn't they didn't do the things that are necessary. And so now it falls to this person to, you know, right moral injustice. Kate, I think, believes that, you know, that she is on the side of moral justice and and that 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 looks pretty black and white. And it's it's a little bit different to consider the person who sees things in terms of gray as I mean as the bad guy I guess which is kind of how you're introduced to this movie you know because I guess what Matt and Alejandro look like or what they represent is it's like is still yeah I, I think it's it's more of a gray area you know it's like okay well can we shoot these people can we shoot these people sitting in cars in Mexico on the Mexican side of the border where we don't necessarily have jurisdiction or we're you know you're basically not allowed to do that. Well, okay, you do whatever they do. If you see a gun, then you shoot. Or if you see a gun, you put your gun out. If they make a move, then you make the move before they can even make the move, essentially. They get out of the car, you get out of the car. Right, right. I mean, like you're saying, Ryan, this is... Um, it's it's immediately... Um, it's immediately very visceral and immediately very real, like you were saying, Antonio. Like, this feels... It just it just feels like a very accurate representation of of the world that we technically live in, but we don't move about in. Right. And it's and it's from the beginning. It's it's from this first third of the movie. You get um, you get that opening scene 
that's just wild. Maybe maybe people aren't putting bombs in their um, woodsheds in, in a Phoenix suburb. I don't know. <laughs> I've never even... Would it surprise you? No, it wouldn't. It certainly right. wouldn't. Like, would it surprise you if you heard that a drug cartel took people, not only hostage, but like took people for ransom and then killed them and then put them in a wall? Yeah. Like, would that surprise you? Yeah. The drive through Juarez the first time when you're basically introduced to this this thing through the eyes of I, I get the sense that it's it's it wants to be through the eyes of Kate and you're like where the fuck am I they put those bodies out there for a reason to be you know to make you to make the person who sees that shit scared and i'm sure it scares her and i'm sure it scares the audience i love that because it's like we're not fucking around in this movie essentially we're not fucking oh, right. around. Yeah. This is not even really it is a movie, but this is not a movie. This is this is how this shit actually happens. People people do this shit and they die. That whole scene where they're constantly getting rerouted, because of course nothing goes according to plan in this. Yes. And you hear the gunshots going off. Like to me, that was that delivered a type of anxiety that you only get watching a few, you know, certain movies. And I get I, I'm gonna try not to relate a lot of personal experience to this but like having gotten lost in juarez before that city is fucking massive mm-hmm. and just one turn one right turn one left turn and you are in the bad part of town and it's just like you can have you know the all the police federal police escort you want but you know as alejandro was saying you know it's like they're not always the good guy you're kind of waiting for shit to hit the fan where one of them turns their machine gun around at the convoy and just like starts, you know, shooting at them. Like I don't know, there's just so much drama. And then Ryan, like you were saying the score, um, I mean, just, I'll get it out there right now. The score throughout this movie, I don't think that this movie hits all the senses. If that score is not there. Thousand percent agree. Yeah. I didn't realize everybody was so into, into music scores. Sorry. Movie scores, I guess. I don't really pay attention to it too much, but um, except when it's working to set a vibe, I guess. I mean, because I I guess part of it is I think that these things don't stick out with to me when they're done really well, because it all like you're saying, Antonio, it all sort of just like adds on, you know, like you're seeing what is happening on screen is anxiety inducing and the sound just sort of feels like it it just works like it's almost like your your mind is making that those sounds happen you know it all yeah. it feels like anxiety it sounds like anxiety basically really nice i'm i'm brandon you're you're a you're a composer guy did did you feel like um it worked or no i mean i thought that the the music in this definitely built tension and moved us from scene to scene um and set up and also set up scenes uh, I definitely don't have a problem with the score of this movie. Well, that's all I need to hear from you for the rest of the pot. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> Good night, Brandon. <laughs> Anything else about the the first first part of this movie? Anybody want to hit? I guess just real quick, uh, at one of the transition scenes before um, we go into the next one is where uh, one of the soldiers on the base there uh, after uh, Kate asked for a smoke. Also, 
smoking not does not look cool in this movie. Yet for some reason, other movies smoking looks really cool. This movie doesn't pull it off though. Um, well, because she looks like when she's he gonna shit her pants while she's doing it. It's not supposed yeah. to, right? Like, no. But there are certain movies and shows that I've seen where they're, they're smoking. I'm like, man, that looks so cool. Yeah, I go back to like a 16 year old where I'm like, man, smoke looks cool. Where he pull, uh, one of the soldiers pulls up Kate and is like, you want to see some fireworks? And they go to the rooftop of that base, and then they just like look across the border and just see all this chaos in Juarez. I don't know why, but that scene has always just been one of my favorites. Where you just see sirens going in every direction, explosions, you know, guns going off. Really smart to use like a handheld camera there. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I did mention, you know, just as a as a segue scene for me, I guess between the bridge scene from the first part to the second part, I guess of this the movie conversation. Um, they make it. They make it through. They murder a whole bunch of um, Mexican citizens in in the line to cross the border, and they get back. And um, I think this is this is really where you see you you have an idea that Alejandro is knows what the fuck he's doing basically but um so he he walks in he gets he gets the water cooler and walks into this room with a prisoner um puts his puts his dick basically in this guy's face and the guy sort of hints at the backstory to Alejandro right it's like oh you know like I'm I'm scared of you and then the scene just cuts um what happens in that room does he get waterboarded? I thought so, but there were a lot of sound effects that didn't match being waterboarded. No hablo, no hablo inglés. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I assumed he got waterboarded, but I don't understand how you bleed from being waterboarded. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't tortured anybody, so I don't. Did he waterboard him? Like, did he pour the water on his pants? And so, okay. Okay, um, we've already established that this film is going to show us some things that may be jarring to see, but the uh-huh. interrogation scene we couldn't see, leading us to this conversation about what exactly happened. I just, you know, it's, well, like, remember, it's one of those decisions that's made in this movie that it's like, okay, uh, moving along, I guess. If 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 you look at it in the in the viewpoint, we're seeing this through Kate's point of view. Kate didn't see it. So maybe that's why the audience didn't see it either. Well, we were in the room. The audience was in the room initially. I get what you're saying, Brandon, which is that, I mean, you you know, where do you draw the line, right? I, I think it is important narratively. I think it's important that this first couple of parts of the movie are from Kate's perspective. And I don't think that you can, obviously, the Kate's not there, so you can show stuff that's not there. However, I think if you actually showed what, 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 was really happening instead of implying it. The parts after this where Kate's like, what the fuck are we doing here? It, that doesn't necessarily hit the same, I guess. You don't you don't identify the same because because you as the audience have the information and you're like, oh yeah, these guys are like torturing people. These are clearly the bad guys as opposed to, I mean, you know, it seems like they're, they're, something is going on here, but you don't know. Like, is did he waterboard the guy? Did he just put his dick in his mouth a little? You know, like... Anything could have happened behind that door. So I think it's important to, you know, have have an element of um, ambiguity. Sure. Uh, yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, God, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be this guy doing 
doing this to this movie because I, you know what, it's not a bad movie. So that's the other thing too is it's not like a it's not a John Wick movie or and I don't I don't I don't mean to I'm, I don't mean to bring those up in the sense that those are bad movies. It's just or that that you know people watching this would would think that they are. It's just in in those instances the the violence is the, not necessarily the point, but I think it's I think it's very important. And I don't know that that's the case here. I don't know that it's super important what happens to Guillermo. Because um, the important thing is the information, right? You get the information that there's um, there's a tunnel. And you get the information, you know, about um, some some finance stuff, you know, which, which takes us to the sort of um, middle part, the second third of this movie, the middle third. Speaking personally, I guess this is through through no fault of its own this is my least favorite third of the movie this is where things start to drag a little bit we get um we get a focus on raiding manuel's bank it's really incredible to me that um i mean i i didn't do the math on nine thousand dollars a day or 17 mil 17 and a half million dollars divided by nine thousand but uh had to have been going on for a really long time that that part you know is it necessary to the story? I don't know. I guess you have to put it in there. It's it's a continuation of her doing her little good cop thing, right? Yeah, there's no other way you build her case, I guess. Yes. Because her whole thing is like, this is evidence. This is how we can bring charges. Um, sets up a nice, you know, uh, I, I, like, I like Victor Garber telling her, you know, Second week in a row, Victor Garber movie. Um, I like now. Yeah, it's the Garber pod. Uh, Who wants First Wives Club next week? Yes. Garber Gabber. Um, Titanic. Oh, yeah. We could literally have a whole season just for him. Let's not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you turn it into a Brad Pitt pod then, since we've already done that. That's fair. Uh, Anyway, sorry. I got to go back and look at the the statistics on who was over and underrepresented this year, this season. Um, anyways, it's overrepresented. Paul Rudd overrepresented. Oh God. We'll, we'll do the things that we got wrong. Um, episode sometime next, next season. Um, right. So, so, you know, I, I like, I like that, that technically builds to the Victor Garber scene where he's basically like, listen, um, normal FBI shit that you do, is dumb and pointless and it doesn't make a difference. Um, this shit that these guys are doing is actually making a difference. You know, I like it a lot because it, it sets the tone, I guess, because it, it presents her with, um, with a reason to go get drunk, right? Catalyst. Um, anybody, anybody want to talk about this, this country bar scene that she, that, that we have to sit through? Made me miss Midnight Ropaho. I mean, Midnight Rodeo, uh, Mavericks, Wild West. Made me miss the bar scene in general. Is anyone here a John Bernthal fan? Never heard of her. He's. I can't name anything he's been in other than Fury. And that's only because I just watched it. Interesting. Wolf of Wall Street. But I recognize his face all the time. The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Wow! Wow, guys. Same person. Same person. <laughs> Jennifer, as a as a fan, how did you how did you feel about this role? 
How did you, how did you feel about what happened? Right. We won't get to John Brenthal uh, himself, but you know, how'd you feel about like how he got back to her apartment or whatever? <laughs> sure. Cause I mean, they were dancing, they were vibing. It's fine. She wasn't paying attention. I don't think by the time, like the bar scene, like that's whatever. I feel like that's pretty, that happens. He didn't come off like creepy. Seemed no. charming. And they'd already seen him before at like some softball game or whatever they were talking about. I don't know. He sucks at softball. Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> but I just, I'll immediately get into not liking Emily Blunt, like right after this scene. When they're so in her apartment. You stop liking her. Like she was fine in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was a little cautious. I think she was just confused mostly because they weren't telling her anything. But she's FBI. She should know like some things are on a need to know basis. Like if she wasn't given that information, she should know there's probably a reason and chill out. But I don't know. I think she also reacted poorly and was not trained very well. Like the second she saw that, I know she was also drunk, I guess. But like when she saw that bracelet, like she couldn't have just played it cool for a second. Just be cool. Like she had to freak like, out. Why couldn't she get the dick and then leave? Yeah, you wait till yeah. he's naked so that he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you pull the gun. I would do. Mm-hmm. You wait. You wait. You wait because until you feel he's... scared because you're na- like your dick's hanging out. So there's no way. Right. You're fighting yeah. someone. <laughs> what if he's got mad so dick though? Just pull a gone girl. Vulnerable. Wait until he's about to finish and then just shoot him. Or so you're throat. telling me if he's got mad dick, you're sticking around to find out what he can do with the thing? I thought the whole point was you fuck him and then right after is when you pull the gun on him. Because yeah. a man is at his weakest point post-orgasm. Immediately post-orgasm. I mean, that's what I learned from South Park. Post-orgasm or on the shitter? Yes. Actually, I am always tactically aware when I'm on the shitter. All it takes is one time that you're surprised on the toilet for you to forever, the rest of your life, be on alert. To his credit, though, for like catching on real quick, it, you know, she walks away and he looks over. He's like, oh, shit. She probably saw that band. And then he made it too obvious that he knew something because he was like super prying into what was wrong with her when he was just. Yeah. Two seconds before he was given her space. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would not have made that connection that quickly, especially after drinking. Does anyone else think that this was the first time Emily Blunt's actually ever drank beer out of a bottle before? Because to watch her drink beer out of a bottle was extremely painful. It was like, you you don't do that. I didn't pay attention to her How enough she to drink it. I don't know. She <laughs> Please she, don't make me rewatch this movie. <laughs> Brandon what? is our mouth expert. I actually missed this... Uh, this whole thing and i'm very aware of emily blunt's mouth so it's just the way like she was drinking it like she was drinking out of a wine glass i was like mm, okay that's just a little nitpick that's that's nothing major i do like the fact though the, the fight scene between the two is very realistic in the fact that she is an fbi agent she's a female you could tell that she is less she's not as strong as her male assailant or a male quote-unquote assassin that she calls it. I don't know. It just seemed more realistic. What I didn't want to see was, and I'm glad they didn't do it, is like all of a sudden she's like this great fucking martial artist that like can, I don't know, do some just crazy, stupid, I get out of this hold bullshit. You know what I mean? Like every other action movie has. Yeah. I think she did just enough to like show she has has training. training. Yeah. Yeah. To like ward off as much as she can. But yeah, this is 
this dude's, you know, six inches taller than her. Pratt weighs her by a hundred pounds. Yeah. Right. In the same Physics field. Comes so in. has yeah. the same training. Yeah. Wow. It looked like she drank that beer normally. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> you rewatched it, it? Yeah. It's just to me, it just looked weird. I don't know. <laughs> How do you drink beer? I know, right? now I'm <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be hyper aware of it next time. Anybody else? Anybody else got anything on the, the middle before we move to the climax? I actually really appreciated, I guess, the middle of this because I had to go back and rewatch the shit to figure out, like, why did she start freaking out? Uh, I thought that was actually a nice little piece of uh, hint dropping and and scene recalling an, an earlier scene. So kudos there. Mm. I think that, that little part maybe one of my favorite parts of the whole whole movie. The realization where it like shows shows her in in the in the mirrored table or or just like the yeah where she's thing. she's doing some you know detective work. Not the world's greatest detective, but you know, ain't no female Batman's. Right. Better police work than the now you see me police. Oh my God! Shut up about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I when I first I remember when I first watched this movie after Alejandro saves her, there was kind of like a very I, I remember thinking that there was a very subtle tease of there might be like a hint of. A romantic connect, uh, connection between them two. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he kind of says, "You know, you remind me of someone I used to care about," or something to that effect. Someone who was very dear to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you don't get the payoff. It's fuck feelings. Um, I'm here to get revenge, but I remember initially that's that's the vibe I I had gotten like the first couple times I watched it. I was waiting for something to show up between. Her and and Daniel, I'm not even going to try and say his last name, but um, yeah, I was waiting for something to show up there and, you know, never got the payoff. And I was like, like, and they it felt like there was something there. Right. I mean, he makes the comment about how she needs to get a new bra. But I guess at the end of the day, like they're just fucking partners. My guy was super friend zoned. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. W- w- once that scene happens, like you're like, OK. And then he offered to stay the night with her and she was like, nothing. A, he's either gay or like B, he's like super friend zoned and like that's just it. Yeah, like those are the two things that, that came to mind. We've all been there. Gay? Her um, <laughs> friend zoned. Her, her line where she's like, "You're the only guy that I've it, it, like taken that's seen my bra in in a long time or whatever." I, it was almost like the implication was that it had happened multiple times. Like that was just, I mean, and it. I'm sure it would. I mean, they're partners, essentially. You know, that's it's probably unavoidable. It's just, you know, like that's I'm sure that that's that's the situation. It's less maybe even friend zoned and like partner zoned. Right. Where it's like you just can't can't have those feelings for somebody that you have to, you know, have that sort of relationship with. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Antonio, we'll get to this when we get to the third part, but I think there is a payoff to the scene that you're talking about. The first time that I watched it, I did think that there was like a hint of something because like, I mean, it's Benicio Del Toro and he's, you know, acting all mysterious and he just saved her life. And it's like, is there something here or what? Um, is that what he means? Is Does does she remind him of someone dear to him, like a f- former, like an ex-wife or something? Um, but that obviously does not turn out to be the case. So then we get the third act of the movie, which 
is, uh, you know, Ryan, you mentioned this, that this is a movie that has multiple, it feels like there's multiple perspectives. This is, this is an interesting choice for me because it feels like this last third of the movie is like, it's Benicio time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, We get this, we get this tunnel scene, which I could literally talk about for hours, but I, I won't. And somebody though, real quick, explain the plan to me because the plan seemed convoluted and, and kind of, I, I guess. I paused the movie right before they arrived at the tunnel and I was like, wait a minute. So what's the plan here? What are we doing? Why are we at a tunnel? Why do we have to be at a tunnel to get Manuel? What is going on? I was just con- like, there was, it was never like fully laid out. I don't think. Okay. And they didn't have to go in, right? Like those Ryan, two- do you want to be the Ryan or do you want I, me to be the Ryan? Or- you be the Ryan. Antonio, Antonio, do you want to be the Ryan? Oh, you got it, Nick. Say the sentence twice so that, (laughs) just like me. (laughs) Did we watch the same movie? Um, Thank you. So, 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 yeah, Yeah, uh, so yes, they they explained it in the movie. Um, Josh Brolin is like, what we're doing here is for show. Our ultimate goal is to get someone, someone to the other side, right? And get our agent to the other side. Yes. Um, a high value person to the other side. And that person is obviously Alejandro. So they didn't know where the tunnel came out at. No, they did. They knew the tunnel went from Mexico to America and they needed to get him into Mexico in a capacity in which, well, and also close to wherever they thought Manuel was going to be since they knew where Manuel was going to be. But also that was their pipeline of moving drugs to and from. Right. So they needed yep. to raise, like, we want to make noise. We need to draw attention. We need to cause chaos. Let's fuck yes. with their supply chain. So that's where we're going to do it. They were the distraction. Everyone is the distraction to get. That's the so reason the- they held back the all, all the immigrants that had been caught. That's like, let's figure out who has experience crossing the border. Where do they cross? Okay. And where are you told not to cross? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where did they? So it seems like the plan, though, falls apart if they hear the gunshots and they're like, there's gunshots. Let's just cut this thing short and drive off. Right? Or am I, yeah. am I wrong? Was there? Because they right, they don't know where this, this thing comes out at. But presumably, I think they if do old boy had just the... been like, all right, let's cut this thing short. There's gunshots. I'm going to just dip. Get rid of the rest of the supply. We'll come back for it another time or whatever. You take the fall. I'm a dip because I'm like number three in this organization. I think they didn't know where the tunnel ended because the eye in the sky knew where Manuel was when he was. Right. Yeah. There's also that. I guess like the plan to me is kind of I, I'm confused about the plan. And like I, I I remember them like, oh, you know, chaos, you know, draw old boy out so that he can lead us to what seemed to be a dad just enjoying dinner with his, his family. So I feel like the chaos to draw men or what is it? Diaz, I think is his last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the plan to draw him out was, I think fucking with his money. Yes. Right. Yes. Because the, once you fuck with his money, then you're fucking with the boss's money. Right. All right. I need, I need to show up and assure him that everything is cool. I got everything under control or I'm working on fixing it. Yeah. So that's how you get him to go, but you know, from Arizona down to Mexico. Right. Which is what your is is that 
what you're asking or I feel like I'm confused as to what where your confusion lies. Yeah, I guess well, so my confusion was A, they're on the American side of the tunnel or the Mexican side of the t- American side of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And right, old boy is on the Mexican side of the tunnel. Who is old boy? Are you talking about the cop driving the car? Talking about the cop, yeah. Oh, okay, yes, he's on the Mexican right. side. Mexican Silvio. side. There, Silvio, yes. They're transporting the drugs. There's gunshots in the tunnel. Well, okay, so they go into the tunnel. She was not supposed to go that way because she wasn't supposed to see what happened at the end of the tunnel. Right. But she wanders off away from everybody else. But then they knew where the the out was at, right? Because they, again, they had the eye in the sky. So they they already knew where the out was on the tunnel. So why not just follow the the vehicle and then just have a team grab they can't follow the vehicle across board, uh, the border. I mean, how do well, they? But they had the they had the whole helicopter or whatever that was drone following them. Like we get that aerial aerial shot of the house when Benicio goes towards the house. I mean, they can't have like a physical person do that. They don't have the clearance essentially to do that. <laughs> you can't have. You can't just be like, hey, you know what? Can we um, can we track this guy? Can we can we can we get clearance to track this guy and then and then murder him essentially? Or you can, but you know they're going to rat you out. Yep. Just about that's to why that. Benicio has to do it because he's not CIA, he's not DEA, he's a DOD consultant. Okay, so let's we do all of that. I have other questions, but uh, lead us lead us through this scene. Um. Right. So okay. So 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 I mean, you know, we we've talked about this, right? So they show up at the tunnel. They show up at the U.S. side of the tunnel. Fantastic camera work. Um, we might we might get to that later. You get the the shock and awe, the distraction, and like you said, Emily Blunt wanders off. She has her gun shot from her and decides that she should be walking around in a tunnel by herself with a sidearm. That seems like a smart idea. Runs up on Alejandro, who's like, hey. Don't ever fucking point a gun at what does he say? Don't ever, don't ever point a don't gun at me. Point a gun at me again. Again. Um, shoots her in the chest. And then it's then it's a Benicio movie, right? Benicio holds Silvio hostage, holds this uh, corrupt police guy who we've seen his life, a normal guy, sort of interspersed throughout the movie, which I, I think is an interesting choice. I think he's our third point of view. That's that's probably fair there's three points of view in this movie i think it's kate's alejandro's and it's silvio's and they're all very unique within the framework of the movie and they all intertwine in a weird way well he fucking kills silvio he kills manuel to get to get to the guy who's just eating dinner with his family (laughs) the um presumed leader of the sinaloa cartel is that Hefe? Is that what we're? Is that what we're thinking? One of the is? leaders. What, one of right? Surely, yeah. Can't be the. And then, uh, and then he, he fucking kills him and his whole goddamn family. Um, not to not to sound too fucked up, that to me it was funny is the wrong word, but I'm gonna use it. Where he tells his kids to keep on eating, mm-hmm. and that each one of them has like one the smallest piece of pasta on their fork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their effort to keep eating <laughs> the tiniest little bit yeah. um finish your meal 
finish finish your meal uh which he does not let him finish his meal i found that um deeply frustrating and then and then we get we get your your little tie up i guess antonio because because again we we get alejandro returning to you know it it becomes it sort of wraps things up in a couple of different ways i guess um I mean, does it, does anybody have anything on, on this section of the movie, you know, other than, other than, you know, questions about, I don't know, the efficacy of the plan. Does anybody have anything on Benicio going full, you know, full John Wick or full man on fire or whatever the fuck he, he does at the end of this, you know? I thought it was actually my, this one, this is actually my favorite scene besides the whole, I guess, broader question of you took out this one, boss in the cartel but at the end of the at the end of the day you know like how much did it really change uh what's going on uh in the broader picture but actually i really thought that this particular scene uh i right so in in act three we kind of we finally get the full backstory his full backstory he you know what is it wife daughter decapitated wife dissolved in a vat of acid i thought it was yeah the other way around other way around um important right sure uh and then he's sitting at this table and this man is just casually enjoying this 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 uh dinner with his family and i fully thought like okay he's going to he's here for the boss he's gonna kill the boss he's gonna kill the boss in front of his wife and kids or he's not gonna do it in front of the kids he's gonna do it in front of the wife and then he fucking kills the kids and the wife first and i was like oh my fucking god this this is how this is how you get revenge. That is perfect. It was poetic and it was brutal and he didn't even expect it. And that was, it was perfect. That scene was perfect. You didn't get this big long speech about revenge, which is typical for these movies. You didn't get, you know, him begging for his life or for the life of his kids. It was just like pop, pop, pop. And then finish your meal Never fucking mind. Bang. Perfect. What a what a scene. I like that it was a quiet conclusion or a quiet wrap up to that scene. You had to like sit in it. That makes any sense. Yeah. I remember just sitting there just sitting in it afterwards, just like like my mouth kind of hanging open, like, oh my fucking God, like what just happened? So perfect. So I'm told that this scene is was the like most surprising scene in the movie for a lot of people because nobody expected him to kill the family. But when you think about what happened to him, it feels very obvious that he is going to kill this family. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like he's definitely going to make that man suffer by watching his own family die. Yes, it all makes sense. It makes sense after the fact. That's the thing is that it makes sense after the fact that like you're watching it. And like Brandon is saying, you're conditioned when you see these movies to not really expect that sort of thing. You're expecting to see, all right, like get these little, get these fuckers out of here. Right. Now you get on your knees and you beg for your life, essentially. Like that's, that's what I want to see. And the, the way he does it too. I mean, he's not even really looking at them when he kills them. Like Brandon said, it's like, it's three quick shots and I feel like he's staring into the soul of yeah. While he, while he yeah. does it. <laughs> yeah. Which Jim, what were you going to say? 
I was just going to agree with Amanda because, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I mean, there's no way he's not going to kill everyone right here. Like, I don't know why he wouldn't. And then even when he's, like, not in front of the kids, I was like, no, it's not going to be in front of the kids. He's going to fucking kill your kids. Like, I thought that was obvious. Yeah. You did, you did say that out loud. Yeah. I was like, why wouldn't he just kill your kids? See, I think, you, I don't if know. If you I, leave them to live. Yeah. Have y'all ever seen Queen of the South? Revenge. They're gonna- Revenge. <laughs> But I think for most of us that have grown up watching action movies, it always seems like the women and children are always spared. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in the cartel. I do like how he spared the lady in the kitchen. Right. That's part of what she Ryan had literally. Yeah. She had literally nothing to do with it, though. Right. This guy's fucking kids did because they had to just go and be his kids. Well, see, but th- OK, so then I, that's where they fucked. No. Up. So then I'll mention it. I think they leave that in there intentionally so that you don't think he's going to harm I still thought he was going to, so I don't know. Maybe y'all are just different. That's very beautiful that you think someone would save people. (laughs) I'm a little colder. I'm out for blood. Y'all want to talk about the colors? Talk to me about about colors, right? Nick, you know what I'm talking about? You want to talk about cinematography? There was a lot of colors in the sky at that one scene. Oh, Ryan wanted to talk about that. That was fucking beautiful. That scene is like the God damn. I get it. No, I get it. Y'all don't appreciate y'all, you don't. <laughs> or, don't. <laughs> I get it. Look, the literal descent into darkness. One thing you have to appreciate about this movie is that there's everything is intentional. Everything from the selection of how the light hits someone's face when Emily Blunt's character is in the SWAT van or whatever, when they're headed to the first deal, you notice everyone's black, everyone's darked out. You can't see, but the sun hits her face. In other words, that's you. That's them telling us that you are our, you are our eyes. You are, that is us in this movie. That is our point of view. Just like the, how prevalent the color blue is. Like if you notice how like Emily Blunt's shirt, it starts off super like blue, right? And then as the movie progresses, you notice that her, the blue starts to fade. And in the very mm-hmm. last scene, she's wearing like basically gray, black. Mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya's character, blue jean jacket, blue jeans, blue shirt. Alejandro, blue shirt. Matt, when we first meet him, blue shirt. And as they all go past, like as the movie progresses on, everyone turns darker. Why do you think that is? I thought they changed clothes. Is it because Kate's perspective is getting darker exactly so she starts off super idealistic what go ahead no 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 no. i'm I'm just saying like i just think that's intentional to show like how idealistic and how like everyone everyone seems to be hey this is what we're doing we're doing this for the greater good and as the movie progresses on you notice that not everyone is just who they not who they claim to be but like no one's as law abiding as they should be in the positions that they are in you know, um, I like that. And I'm, I'm going to tie this into something else that I wanted to talk about, which is, um, and I'm going to reference something that, that Brandon said here earlier, which is that um, he brought up the idea that what is killing that guy even really do? Because I think that the interesting, one of the interesting things about the way this movie ends is that, um, so we watch movies with subtitles on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's difficult to hear things sometimes. And the last line of dialogue 
is actually spoken by Alejandro, by Benicio del Toro, to Emily Blunt's character, Kate. And then there's a whole nother scene that comes after that, which is the scene with um, Silvio's kid mm-hmm. playing soccer. And the, the, it's, a, it's a strange thing to, to tack on to the end of this movie in some ways, maybe if you're watching it. But really, to me, I think um, it made me feel like, what the fuck has really changed here? I mean, people have died, you know, to your point, Ryan, um, people have have had realizations about the world that they live in or come to an understanding. And some people have even had that confirmed. You know, Benicio, Benicio says this is a land of wolves now. And that's something that he is aware of. And now Kate is aware of. And I think a lot of these people, perhaps, you know, Daniel Kaluuya is now aware of this thing. Um, But that's still the world that they're living in. Nothing has ultimately changed. People are still, gunfire is still happening around this, like right next to this soccer game that these kids are playing. Nothing is really different. It it just stands in, in pretty sharp contrast to me to this idea that you know, you start out and you're like, you're like Kate and you're like, okay, well, what's the way to deal with this problem? Let's deal with this by the book. And then you say, okay, well, that's not getting any results. Let's do it the CIA way. Let's do it like Josh Brolin. Cause those are the guys who get results. But even after they've gotten results, what do we see? You know, this is, this is, and it comes back to the point that Antonio made about reality. That's just the way this shit is. You could kill somebody. Somebody's just going to replace them. Exactly. This is this is a land of wolves now. You become conditioned to it. I mean, they stop because they're scared because they hear the gunshots, but then they go right back to playing. They move on. It's just another day. Right. It's just life. I mean, they pick up and and like we don't see anything about like mourning the dad. It's just like, well, shit. Like we knew that that was going to happen. The kid sits there in front of the bed for a minute and is like, damn, I guess he's not coming home. I'm going to go play some soccer. I feel the implied logic there was that he was still at work. That wait. I I guess that's, that's where the vagueness lies was that you don't have a direct like timeline of, how many days have oh, okay. passed since you know Alejandro killed him? Has it been right, 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 right. twenty-four hours? Has it been forty-eight hours? Has it been three months? You don't really get that definitive timeline. So I always work under the assumption is he hasn't been home in three days because he hasn't been off of work in three days because all they know is that he's at work. I just thought it was obvious for Alejandro's character that it was about revenge for him, at least, somewhat. But is he going to stop? I don't know. I don't care. Probably not going to watch the second one. I will. Unless there's more Jeffrey Donovan, because I'm that's, mad that I didn't realize that was him earlier in the movie. That's that's <laughs> what we need is more Jeffrey Donovan, a.k.a. Michael Weston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I have a movie for you guys? A.k.a. It Burns When I Pee. What a, what a conversation to have. Um... Are we done here? Is there anything else about this movie that you guys want to talk about before we get to people? What's Emily Blunt's problem? Uh, that's that counts as people, I think. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Goodbye. No, we good? Yeah.